Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello. I hope you're having a fine morning, day, or evening. Brian is still on vacation, whatever the hell that is. So we're running this episode that I recorded last week with Seth Miranda. Seth is a professional photographer signed to Adorama in New York City, and he's a prolific teacher on social media, and he teaches the art of photography. If you've listened to the show for a few years, you've probably heard us talk about the Grime Life podcast. Seth was the co-host on that show, along with Christopher Pachone, and it's How We All Met. Super cool. This was supposed to be a 15-minute piece inside of another episode, but we got to talking and just forgot to stop, and then Brian decided to stay in Hawaii for an extra day doing God knows what, so you get to hear the entire conversation. We talk about a ton of stuff, and we do get a little gear-heavy at the beginning, but keep listening even if that's not your thing. There's a lot more in here than just cameras, I promise. I really hope you enjoy this departure from our regular fare, and fret not if this is not your cup of whiskey. The gang will be back together next episode. I hope you enjoy this special episode with Seth Miranda, and oh yeah, as a special bonus, I'm including the entire closing theme song at the end of this episode, written by a friend of the show, Andy Stochansky. So stick around, and please to enjoy. Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. We are here with Seth Miranda from Adorama and previously the Grime Life podcast, and that's kind of how we met way back in the day. And Seth is one of my favorite people, and we thought we would have a fun little segment here on the show where we talk about things... I don't know, photography, gaming, whatever, it tickles our fancy because we have we have similar interests that I think are relevant to the Grumpy Old Geeks audience. Welcome, Seth. Oh, thanks for having me. It's such an honor. I'm actually on your podcast for a change. I know. I think what I Brian and I did uh Grime Life three times or two times. Yeah, and we did the battle game and we nerded out a whole bunch of stuff, but we're in the age of content and I think we're both pumping out a ton of content ourselves across a ton of platforms and creating stuff for other people, right? So I think that's where this kind of fits in. Yeah, well, especially you, because you were kind of, you know, in between. You were a freelance photographer when we met, and now you're like this juggernaut at Adorama (laughs) punching out, like, how many videos and demos do you do a week? Uh, It's, it's, uh, I... I wish I, it was stable. I could give you a number, right? Like, it's just like they push you in front of a camera and go make this sound cool or teach this. And then you're on to the next thing. But I'm, I think the one thing that's making this really, uh, plausible is everything's live now i can just go live i don't have to edit i don't have to like worry about planning something out i can just go and do it so i think that's why there's so much of it well especially on your instagram every time i go in you're like walking down the street giving a de- <laughs> like you know answering questions doing this i'm like jesus does this guy ever sleep yeah yeah i think I, I i feel like don't you feel like you'll get erased if you stop don't you think like people just forget about things really quickly and they move on to the next yeah, kind of. You have to, you have to, you know, feed the beast. You have to keep feeding the beast. Well, you guys split up the podcast into multiple days for the week too, right? 
Yeah, we did. We we actually were selling out advertising, and we're like, hey, we should do more. That's the only <laughs> that's the only answer. We can't raise the the rates of the show, but we can just do more shows. So now we do that. Yeah, exactly. We're we're looking at an age of volume and not like even photographers are complaining that the day rates aren't there anymore. Like these three thousand dollar day rates aren't there. No, but you can work what you would do in one week in a day with the technology we have now and do a $600 day rate three, four times a week and you can get through it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I, you know, I went to school for photography. I was going to be a photographer. I, I took every class at my college twice. I got a solid 4.0 all the way through. I never got anything below an A. And then when I went out into the world, I'm like, I don't want to be a photographer. This kind (laughs) of sucks. I'm like, you got to be around people. You got to, in my first two jobs were for newspapers. And the first gig that they gave me was go shoot a parade. And I'm like, I hate parades. They're oh. clowns at parades. So I'm like, screw this. I'm going into computers, but you stuck with it. You're, you're Mr. Photographer. I, I listen, I can't believe I get to do what I do. And I, and there's a lot of people that went into photography thinking that they're just shooting what they want to shoot. And that's how you create a career. And you have to realize that once you create a skill for yourself, it's they're hiring you because they can't do that skill themselves. So you have to do their job. Yeah, it's it's work. It yeah, is actual it's work. work. It's a job. It's totally a job. I mean, <laughs> yeah. where I'm at now, I'm pretty happy. I get to like play with, I get to beta test cameras and before they hit market. I get to see the gear before it's coming down the line and really give my input on it and travel around the world to try it out, which was kind of nuts. I did the, the Fuji GFX 100 in Tokyo while I was getting tattooed. I got to shoot that thing in low light. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. But before that, I was grinding my brains out, shooting whatever I could. Product photography is the most mind-numbing thing in the world to me. And I was doing that all night long. And then during the day, shooting headshots and then shooting for the makeup industry. It was just like, whoa, you know? But it's a, it's a job. And I think that's the misconception that people think just because it's creative that it's not work. Oh, yeah. It's definitely work. And and the one thing that everybody thinks nowadays is, like, oh, I can just take a picture with my iPhone. I don't yeah. need a photographer. And oh, you're so wrong. Well, it's crazy. We're looking at this new iPhone 11 and it's the first phone that's being taken by photography blogs and taken as a camera rather than a phone that happens to have a camera in it. Yeah. Have you played with it yet? I've seen some stuff out of that thing and it's pretty impressive for what it is. But what people are failing to realize is that they're still small sensors. They still have a real issue with determining an exposure between highlights and darks. Um, You're going to deal with noise issues. And of course, it'll give you like fake light where it like makes dark situations look lighter but after a while you're gonna yearn for like a real looking image in a real organic lighting setup and it's just not what real life is sometimes yeah that's one of the things that i just remember from being back in the ad industry days we would do shoots all the time with you know little things here and there for posters you know we'd have some of the first digital cameras that came out and we shot a lot on 35 but when it came down to oh this is going to be a billboard Bust out the Hasselblads. I mean, you, there's no other option. You are not going to get a digital camera to have anything look remotely good on, you know, a 40-foot billboard, period. Yeah, and we're seeing all these, like, shot-on-iPhone um, type of content coming out there, like billboards and even uh, music videos like Selena Gomez, I think, just did a video with an mm-hmm. iPhone. But yeah. what people don't realize is that in front of that iPhone is ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars in professional lighting to be recorded. There's gimbals, there's stabilizers, there's maybe uh, a five thousand dollar cinema lens connected in front of it. Like, yeah. They don't understand <laughs> that, yeah, the sensor got it, but the everything that went in front of that sensor was still production. Exactly. And if you put a real camera on it, it would actually look a hell of a lot better. <laughs> yeah, but you wouldn't get the publicity where we're talking about it right now. True that. True you know, that. So that's the push is that it's all smart marketing. 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time believing the Sonic the Hedgehog movie is actually a real <laughs> thing. I'm pretty sure they put that out there and said, let people complain about it and we'll fix it. And then it'll give even more publicity. I mean, can you imagine that thing that came out? Everybody was like, you know, crapping their pants. Like, what is that thing? And they said they just went back and re-rendered the whole movie. There's no way they did it that fast. It's suspicious. Uh, it is. And it, that's a lot of money. They had to rehire a whole fleet of artists to do it again. I don't know, man. I, it's, I mean, it's, technically, can't you just change out the model? Yeah, but you have to create the model and then do it all over again and make it animate. I bet they already had the model and they just slapped it in with all the same mocap <laughs> and everything. They, I'm sure that they probably had that thing done already. They did the first test and they're like, uh, let's try the new one. And I bet they already had that thing totally re-rendered. All they had to do was go back, do the color correction and you know, do the, the masking and all that stuff again. But there's just no way they did that. Well, that was fast. Yeah, uh, it, it's suspicious, but the most interesting part of the whole thing for me is that they actually put out a Halloween mask of the original design, and now that's a sought-after collector item. Oh, wow. Okay. It is the scariest-looking thing ever, but it's going to be going for thousands easily. Wow. Maybe they did screw up then and, and did fix it if they already went to merchandising on the other, the other one. <laughs> what a ploy. I guarantee you what might have happened was they actually did screw up. And then when they went into a boardroom and said, well, what's the benefits of us doing this over again? And some marketing guy with a nice haircut was like, listen, guys, everyone's going to be talking about this. If we fix this. And they probably gave it a big boost. I'm curious to see the numbers from this movie. It's releasing on Valentine's Day. So we'll see what happens with Sonic the Hedgehog. You know what I bet they did? I bet they went back and just seriously, all they've done so far is re-render the trailer. And they're in the middle of right now. Right now, there's a room full of people here in Hollywood or the Philippines or in Weta down in in uh, New Zealand tearing their hair out trying to re-render the entire movie. I bet they just went back and fixed the trailer and said, okay, we'll, we'll get to the rest of it, but let's get this trailer fixed. How cynical of you. Have you listened to our show before? <laughs> I have. I have. I can't wait to promote grumpy old geeks to my audience. That's going to be great. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Oh, I can't wait. Your audiences, uh, make sure that you caveat that with make sure the kids aren't in the room. Oh, gosh. I, I, my audience has shifted heavily since the whole Adorama thing has gone forward. Uh, I never had so many photographers looking at my pages. And there's nothing more fun than other people that think they can do things better than you. Uh, comment on everything you do. <laughs> Welcome to the internet, man. I know. Jeez. Oh, my God. The comments I get, especially from the news show. Now they're commenting on my tattoos. I'm like, would you even stay on topic? <laughs> you do have a lot of tattoos. There's, yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of material there to cover. Yeah. You listen, I'm sorry that their careers aren't working out. What do you want me to say? Like, I'm like <laughs> you know, there's just so much going on right now, uh, especially in the photo industry, because it's changing so fast. And it was all in reaction to phones and people that are getting into content creation that aren't professional, but are trying to make it some sort of hustle for themselves and Ugh. using a lot of gear that automatically does a lot of things that we killed ourselves to learn, right? Oh, man. I mean, I started with a Pentax K1000. That's a great camera. Still is. It still is a great camera. I love that thing. My first roll of film, I got a photo in Transworld Skateboarding of Craig Johnson. So I love that camera to death. So, you know, I know, I know about film speeds, shutters, apertures, lighting, all that stuff. I learned it in college. And nowadays, it's just like... If you, you, you almost have to, you know, just read the manual and become a programmer. It isn't about the art of photography where you like, you know, we had to deal with silver and chemistry. And, you know, the, the my big problem why I left photography was I was impatient when I was in the dark room. I print my print my photos, come out, didn't wash my hands after the fix and would and grab a sandwich. 
So sandwiches are what took me down. Actually, the fix took me down, but I would eat a sandwich and still have fix all over my hands. Get knocked out for two weeks with migraines. And I'm like, why am I getting these migraines? Oh, it's chemical poisoning, you moron. Yeah, fixer is basically like vinegar almost with the acidity, but it's disgusting. And the, uh, it, well, what's crazy about the photochemistry is I actually got um, poisoned twice once by chemical, uh, color chemistry because it has arsenic and formaldehyde. Oh, in it. that stuff's evil. Yeah. Yeah. And two, uh, selenium toner for black and white was actually getting into my bones. I couldn't understand Ooh. why my elbows were hurting me. And I went to the doctor and he's like, do you see your fingertips turning purple? Yeah. Oh, you're, man. You're poisoned, kid. Like, so I'm like, okay. But even beyond that, now we're looking at application. You know, we learned everything and we figured out what we like, right? Like everybody wants bokeh and soft out of focus <laughs> backgrounds and stuff. And yeah, that's all well and good. But now we can't just shoot that stuff and hope that people like the image. We need to apply the, all these things that this technology gives us. And I think that's where we're at right now is, you know, only the special content is starting to survive now because we've seen enough of the bokeh balls of LED lights all swirling behind people's faces a thousand <laughs> times, you know? Well, everything's done in post now, you know, you get some basic stuff out of the raw sensor and then everything is software. It's well, crazy. That's what's funny is people are actually selecting their camera brands based on what you get from the camera. So, for example, Sony will tell you they have the most uh, accurate color, but maybe real life accurate color isn't pleasing to us. So a lot of people that are in the Sony world tend to use a lot of presets or color grade very heavy. Then you look at Fuji and Fujifilm makes some of those beautiful color grades ever because I don't know, they made film for centuries. Like they were, they were a really good uh, company for skin tones and, and, and amazing color that you could sink your eyeball into. So people are actually choosing their camera just like we used to chill or choose our film stocks. Oh, Fuji Chrome was the best, man. Best. Oh, the oh best. I love Fuji that Velvia. stuff. Yeah. Oh, man, I, would, I used to shoot that for skateboarding, and it was just so amazing. The blues in the sky were just, like, otherworldly. They were yeah, so good. it was good. a vivid, vivid profile. And uh, yeah. what's really interesting is Fujifilm, the digital end of it, the film simulations in the camera were created by the people who actually did the film stocks. Mm, interesting. Yeah, so you're actually getting pretty close to what it is. Their Acros profile is fantastic. But now we're talking about profiles, right? Like you yeah. still have the raw file that's usually flat, usually a little um, needs some tweaking to it because it's meant to be flat, like log video, you know? Yeah, definitely. So enough, enough down memory lane. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of cameras, though, I just got the, uh, the Lumix or Panasonic Lumix G7. Oh, did you? I had just arrived yesterday. I took this thing out of the box. First, first impression is, Jesus, it's small. <laughs> It's tiny. I put it next to my Sony Alpha uh, 6300. Okay. And the, the second thing that I, I was completely startled by was how cheap the thing feels. It is like hollow plastic, mm. which makes it extremely light. So for traveling and going on shoots, so that I'm, the reason I got it was to do video because right. it doesn't have a video limit. Unlike the 6300, the 60, the, the new ones, the 6400 and whatever up have no video limit. So I got screwed on that one. So I got I got this thing just to shoot video with, and when I got it, I'm just like, oh my god, this thing is tiny. It feels like an old 110 camera. It is no, so really? cheap and plasticky. Yeah. Well, you know, or like a Lomo, have... maybe like a Lomo. Oh, Lomo. Oh, Lomo is another <laughs> company you could talk about forever. They really were <laughs> cheap junk, and now they're like trendy and cost three times as much than they used to. But, yeah, I, that's still a thing. I thought those. I thought that whole Lomo fad died a long time ago. No, they're still going. They're still cranking. Um. But the, you know why there's video limits on those cameras, right? 
Isn't it tax tax yeah, reasons? Yeah, yeah. As soon as it goes over twenty nine minutes, it's considered a video camera, and therefore the import tax goes up. The tariffs. Yeah, because I, I it drives me crazy. I've got a Nikon D eight ten. A doesn't shoot four K, which is no. ridiculous for the size of that sensor. Yeah, and you know, does twenty nine minutes, and I'm just like, oh. So all, all my cameras did twenty nine minutes, and I'm like. Podcasts go at least an hour, so yeah. I have to get something. And fortunately for Black Friday, it was like three hundred and fifty bucks off. So I got that and the power supply and the cables for like five fifty. Oh, interesting. So I can get three of those. I can get three of the G sevens for the price of like the body on one GH five. Yeah, yeah, it's you totally could. And Panasonic is killing it right now. They're really coming out with some really heavy hitter gear. Um, uh, their S series, the full frame sensors they just put out. Whoa, what a monster move by them. What are you shooting day-to-day now? I'm shooting a Nikon D850 as my workhorse. I have a Fuji uh, X100F, which is the most fun camera I think I've ever had in my life. And everything else is just loaner gear from companies to make sure like we're doing videos showing their stuff off, you know? Yeah. Um, it, which is probably like the funnest part, but it drives you crazy because you never have a full kit. You know, if you want to do something, you don't have this piece or that lens or whatever. So... Uh, Nikon has been my go-to. Oh, and I have a Z6 in my hands right now, uh, the mirrorless full frame that they put out, which is really good for video, actually. I'm thinking I'm just going to go all in on that for video. It's cheap as hell. What are they running? It's like 1600 bucks for a full frame uh, sensor that does 10-bit color video. Wow. Yeah. That's it's a pretty joke. amazing. Yeah. I mean, 4K? Are you kidding me? The The biggest issue with video isn't the sensors themselves. It's the processor being able to handle processing higher frame rates at 4k which is usually why your slow-mo video is a lower resolution a lot of them only do 1080 or some even to go as horrible as doing 720 in slow-mo yeah because you need 120 frames but so we're dealing with bad ergonomics in because they're trying to make the camera smaller to make it seem like it's more friendly for you to travel with then they're too light so they actually have stability issues then they're so small that they overheat because they're tra- they're handling so much information that there's no room <laughs> for them to ventilate. I mean, we're dealing with so many issues right now because people need to put out content at such a level anytime, anywhere. Yeah, that's the one thing. You can't basically put holes next to the processor <laughs> because, yeah, then it's not really at least, you know, somewhat weatherproof. No, that's yeah. crazy. Well, that's uh, that's part of the thing is that... uh the uh there, there's some modifications out there that people are doing to like old sony's where they put computer fans behind the lcd screen and stuff i'm like <laughs> jesus what are you doing it's like half heat sink half camera yeah well <laughs> canon actually is doing something really interesting they're patenting designs that all are about airflow the front of the lens actually inducts air to cool off the camera uh there's uh air ventilations inside the viewfinder they have flashes that the that they've designed that are well these are all patents right they're just protecting it but this just shows you what they're thinking about it's not about resolution anymore they're just trying to make it function yeah because it it, i mean it really is it's it's a massive computer in there to do all those calculations yeah and we never had to worry about any of this no (laughs) (laughs) trust there there was no cpu in my k1000 that i got from sears you know Oh, it's it's crazy. You know what I'm carrying around these days that that I marvel at every time? Uh, I have these Rode Go Labs now. Do you, have you seen these? No, no. I'm using the uh, the Zoom F1s. Those are my labs. Oh, these. So these Rode Goes are literally an inch and a half by an inch and a half squares, and they fit yeah. in my pocket. Seven hours of battery, and they can go to my camera or they can go to my phone, and that's how you see me doing the live streams in the street and keeping my audio consistent. So you've got those those road labs plugged into your phone? 
Yeah, they're just like in my pocket all the time. If I feel like doing a walk and talk Q&A, I plug them in. I have a lav going from my shirt into this thing. And it's it's two inches. I mean, it's a joke. I almost like drop them by mistake all the time. And then the other goes into the phone with, uh, you know, the lightning adapter. And then you're off to the races. Done. And now, no matter where I turn my head, they have consistent audio. So that's why it doesn't... I feel like... I don't know how you feel about this, but like video can look choppy or whatever, but people will stick with it. The audio is clean. If yeah. the audio is garbage, nobody watches it. Oh, totally. Yeah. You got to have solid audio with video. Everybody thinks, oh, no, we'll just... You, we can use the on-camera stuff. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, you, no, can't. you can't. Oh, you're... <sighs> I don't even know why they even bother. Like, it's... <laughs> How much of those? How much of those road labs cost? Two hundred bucks. Okay, the uh, the F ones I think are in the they're in the sub two hundred range. They're like one hundred and fifty. But those are like legitimate labs, right? Well, it's it's you know what it is. It's like you've seen the Zoom like H six and the H four ends. Oh yeah. This is shrinking that down to a little tiny box, but you can still put on all the Zoom capsules on it. So what I've got is. I, I can wear it as a lav on my belt, mm-hmm. or and it's got like you know a headphone out that I can plug into my phone for for audio from that. But also I can stick a shotgun capsule on it, and it's it comes with a shock mount that you can put on your camera on the hot shoe, so I can use it as a shotgun mount oh. on my camera too. They're oh, that's sweet. Cool. That's yeah, very cool. Because I've got a whole you know a whole Zoom module collection because I use an H6 all the time. So this is just like it's it's shrinking down an H6 into one little tiny unit. But the you know I I sent some to Kent Nichols who from Ask a Ninja fame, or I, I recommended them to him. He went out and bought him. He's like, dude, this thing punches so far above its weight, it's crazy. It, that's crazy. The, yeah, well, Zoom is doing some wild stuff now. They have they're claiming that they have audio you can clip to death and still bring it back. Yeah, well, the, uh, the that's the Mix Pre threes and the Mix Pre sixes came out recently. They're thirty two bit. Yeah, and mathematically, it's impossible to clip on those if you're running them in thirty two bit. It's just you read the math on it. There's graphs on the website. They're expensive, but I'm pissed off because I bought a Mix Pre six for grumpy old geeks, and then like a week later, they discontinued <laughs> it and came out with the the Mix Pre six two. And I'm like, oh my god, for field recording, those things are incredible. They're pricey, but they're incredible. But for fail-safe audio, they're, they're, they're pricey now, but wait till that technology is just standard, right? Yeah. Everybody's catching up with it. I mean, it just comes down to a lot of processing power. But, uh, I mean, anytime you see somebody with, you know, like on a film set with a little side pack and the boom arm, yeah, they're using uh, like a Mixpre 6 in those things. And the uh, the the uh, the preamps are so juicy, yeah. so nice. So that's like the new problem with uh, mirrorless uh, cameras is a lot of them they don't concentrate on the audio. So like the Nikon's notoriously have like loud preamps in them now. So that's like the one. So you're you're skimping somewhere on these cameras somewhere, and they usually do it in the audio. Yeah, I've got the, I've got a, one of the uh, the Rode mics that goes on top uh, the the Video Pro. Mike, I can't remember the actual name of it, but you know, it's the one that you see everywhere with the little road with the um looks like a little tiny dick <laughs> you stick on top of your camera. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I can't remember which model I have. I don't have the latest, latest, but I put that thing on. It's it works okay, but it's definitely not because it goes through the camera body and it's noisy. That's why I like having, you know, the external recorders on, like, you know, the Zoom F1 or yeah. it, God forbid you stick an H6 on top of your camera and you need a $300 tripod just to handle the weight. 
Yeah, and it's uh, it's getting to a point where you have to decide if you really care about that level of quality of content. If you're doing it just for like an Instagram or or a Facebook video or something like that, you probably get away with it. But if you're trying to put out some quality, uh, it's you can't just uh, you know there's no plug and play going on for that. You have to have separate. You have to separate everything: the audio, the video, and all that stuff, and mix it together and post. But the, there's stuff coming out for phones that's just nuts. Besides the Rode Go mics, have you seen the Shure shotgun mic? I have not seen this one. This thing, you can actually limit what spread it has. You can actually focus down where it's picking up the audio from onto a phone. No way. Yeah. And that, and it's not that expensive either. It's a couple hundred bucks, something like that, I believe. We saw this thing. We couldn't believe it. Is, it, is this the VP89? Uh, I couldn't tell you a model if I tried. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just remember- We'll dig saw, it up and put it in the show notes. Yeah. I saw it, in a, I saw it at IBC- uh, in Amsterdam and they were like, Oh, this has been out for like a year already. And we're like, wait, what? And it's like, there's so much stuff that's already out there that just cause no one's talking about it. It doesn't get traction and we don't see it anymore. The, I mean, the biggest problem, at least in, in the podcasting space is everybody comes in and they talk about the blue Yeti. <laughs> yeah. What like, is, what is this? It, it's the biggest piece of garbage that has ever been <laughs> shat upon the world. I've heard about blue Mike forever. They look pretty. That's the problem. They look pretty. They are awful for new podcasters because everybody thinks it's like oh this is going to be great i stick it on my desk and everybody in the room can talk into it they're condenser mics which means they're meant to be used in treated rooms but people put mm. them on a hardwood table with no treatment in the room and Reflection. expect it to sound great oh they, they're so echoey they're terrible you can make them sound good but it for new podcasters everybody goes with that so that's that takes all the oxygen out of the room for the really good stuff that's out there which is uh, sad yeah I, I see them a lot on twitch uh, because they look pretty, people put them like right into the camera. I don't even they think they look them. that. They look like a big silver dildo. Well, you know, if you've got a pretty girl there, I mean. No, <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> nah, it's really interesting. Uh, people get sold on like half knowledge. You know, they yeah. they read a forum and they only go halfway down. <laughs> and if they if they read something they liked hearing, that's what they buy. Yeah. It's it's we're in a weird marketplace, right? I think people are educated and they know half the way. But uh, years ago, like, no, what's a megapixel? What what do you mean bit rates? <laughs> and now everybody's an expert when you talk about something on a forum. And but none of them apply it. They just have like hobbies of buying features. I think you know, like yeah. they're never really applying it or having to go into a field and rest their like career on the gear. But they'll tell you what's amazing about it. But they've never used it. You know what the crazy thing is? All those people back when we were starting and, you know, we're into this stuff long ago and called us nerds, made fun of us and like, <laughs> oh, that's so stupid. What am I ever going to do? These are the people that think that this shit has just been invented. And they come out and just like, hey, man, have you heard of blah, blah, blah? I'm like, yeah, 10 years ago and you were making fun of me. Uh what do you want to know about it? Because I know more than you. You just read a post on Vox and you think you're an expert Whoa. on this shit. You know? Well, the worst part of it all is that they're all trying to create content. But then when you go check out what they're doing, they're literally just vlogging their regular life. Ooh, it, yeah. So I'm kind of wondering, like, what are you adding to the conversation here? You know, like everyone does gear review, but it's like. What do you know about gear if you've never had to be a professional using any of it or uh, you're you have like a nine to five job and that's great and you have opinions about the world. But why is anyone going to join your audience? You know, and they never have an answer for that. They just get into this idea of creating something. And that's where we're at. Everybody's a content creator, you know, because, yeah, these people get a course on, you know, how to get rich on Instagram. And yeah. somebody tells them what was cool three years ago. 
And that's that was episode one of Grumpy Old Geeks is how do you make money on the Internet? You teach people how to make money on the Internet. That's never going away. And that's where you get all these, you know, instant influencers who think that they're going to change the world with gear reviews drive me crazy. I sit on YouTube trying to find one guy who knows one thing about this one product I want. And everybody else is just reading the manual and showing you showing them flipping switches. I'm like, no. And they're like the three or four guys that I go to all the time. I'm like, okay, they're going to talk about frequency response. They're going to talk about attenuation, all this stuff. And I'm like, that's the stuff that pros want to know. It's not the, it's not, you know, okay, I plug it into the USB. Here's where I change the levels. Okay. You're a podcaster now. No. Yeah. A lot of them turn into consumer reports because they know that people are go around shopping for stuff. will always click on those videos. So it becomes, that's why they do the video usually. Right. And I think the issue is more, why can't professionals be the influencers? Why do influencers have to be the popular kids that are on these platforms? I'll tell you exactly why. Because the professionals are busy making the products and making the, the outcome. You know, That's true. We're, we're busy. We're yeah. busy folks. Everybody for four years, people have been trying to get me to do a how to podcast program. Oh, yeah. And I remember you were going to put together a class session or something. Four right? years I worked on that. And then one day I'm, I'm sitting here at the house. I've got, I got all these lights. I got cameras. I got everything. And, you know, I'm talking to my roommate. She's like, why are you so down lately? I was like, because I got to make this damn course. She's like, why? I'm like, <laughs> oh, you know what? I don't have to do that. I, I killed everything. I took everything down. I'm like, I'm not making a course. You want you want to learn how to podcast? You can hire me. Here's my day rate. I'll teach you everything you want to know. One-on-one, simple. And my life has improved. <laughs> like, wow. You don't okay. have to actually do it because you know what I like doing? I like making podcasts. That's what I like doing. When it comes to photography, I liked making photographs, hmm. teaching people how to do that. That's a different skill set. Yeah. And a lot of people don't have that. The people who are the pros in this game generally are the people that want to make the stuff. There are hybrids like you who are fantastic teachers who oh. like, love to teach and are amazing at the craft. So you're like a fucking unicorn. That's oh, thanks, that's buddy. like an amazing thing where you can you can talk about it. You can teach people. I've watched your sessions and I got so much out of them. I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't know my gear could do that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> wow, that's cool. This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Today, I want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming. Now, on this show, we talk a lot about how much of our personal info is out there. We're talking about home addresses, contact details, and even information about your family. And if you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy, you're not alone. That's why I want to tell you about Delete Me. It's a game changer for protecting your personal information. As someone who's been through the ringer with spam calls and phishing attempts, finding Delete Me felt like a breath of fresh air. Could your potential views expose you to cybercrimes, identity theft, or even violence in this election year? The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. Angry individuals motivated by their political beliefs can now easily access personal details from data brokers for 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment and identity theft. Fortunately, you can safeguard your data with Delete Me. Delete Me scours the Internet, finding and removing you and your family's personal data from hundreds of data broker websites. And they don't just do it once. They monitor your information to ensure that it stays private. I signed up and provided the specifics on what I wanted to go, and the team at Delete Me took it from there. They keep me in the loop with regular updates, showing exactly where my info was popping up and confirming when it was removed. 
seeing how dedicated they are to protecting my privacy is a relief. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now available at a special discount for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeleteme.com slash G-O-G and use promo code G-O-G at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash G-O-G and enter code G-O-G at checkout. One more time, that's J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash G-O-G with code G-O-G at checkout. This episode is sponsored by Mood. 420 celebrations come in all shapes and sizes, just like the many ways to enjoy your THC. Mood offers just the right buzz with their federally legal flower, gummies, vapes, and more, helping you find the perfect high. Mood is offering our listeners a free THCA pre-roll and 20% off your first order. Just head over to hellomood.com and use our exclusive code GOG. Mood's latest introduction, the THCA Flower, is a game-changer, offering the classic cannabis high with a twist. With 10 high-inducing strains, it's their most potent lineup yet. What's even better is that all Mood products are extracted from hemp, making them federally legal, and are regularly tested to ensure the highest quality. Sourced from small family farms, you're getting a product that's effective and pesticide-free. I tried several of their products from the uplifting Energized to the Mellow Chill, and I must say, each provided a unique, enjoyable high. My favorite? Definitely the creative strain. It sparked an incredible flow of ideas and got me through my daily projects with ease. Whether you're new to THC or a seasoned aficionado, Mood has something for every vibe. Their in-house experts have tailored different strains to match specific moods, offering a range of products to suit any preference. From delectable gummies to classic flower and convenient pre-rolls, there's a multitude of ways to enjoy Mood's offerings. Celebrate 420 exactly how you want to with Mood. Get 20% off your first order plus a free THCA pre-roll at hellomood.com with promo code GOG. That's hellomood.com code GOG. Yeah, I I got to tell you um when I first got into teaching, like I guess cuz I have no degree, right? I, I have two degrees in fine art and imaging and all this other stuff, but I don't have a teaching degree. But Dan Norton at Daniel Norton at Adorama was like, you should be up here telling people how you do all this stuff. And I never really thought about it because when we were coming up, you held your secrets to your chest. You were like, everyone's going to steal my job. I can't tell anybody anything. Right. Yeah. If you look hard enough, everyone's already figured out everything. They can find it on their own, but at least you can put it out there your way and have someone come, come up from underneath your way of doing things. And I thought, you know, fine, let's do that. And there's been people at Adorama and this is kind of getting romanticized about it, but there's been people that came to the event space at Adorama to a demo with nothing but a notepad. And now a year later after doing it, they're showing me that they actually are making extra money shooting, that they've improved the quality of their life, that they're psyched that they're doing this. They're not just going to a job for somebody else. And that is like, it sounds so dumb and hokey, but it is a real big payoff. It's true though. You know, it's like there's, it's, it's not a zero sum game when it comes to creativity. That's the great part about it. There's stuff every day. People can go out and shoot and make a living at it. And you're not taking away from somebody else because most people don't actually put in the legwork. And if you do teach them how to do it, 
that that just means better art's going to be in the world. Me getting romantic on it too, but uh, the fact that you're out there teaching and showing people how to do it the right way that means that there's going to be less shitty art in the world. That's what I like. Well, I'm kind of waiting for the the shift to finally happen where we're actually seeing professionals getting a forum and a bit of a platform to actually be influential now. Like instead of the popular kid that people thought are great photographers talking about some Sony or whatever, we're getting people that are actually done amazing work like Joe McNally. You know, this guy is a legend and he's getting back onto social platforms and teaching classes. And that kind of will overshadow just somebody who's popular for no reason. The people that are giving these people forum because they're popular have no idea what they're really listening to or watching anyway. They just know that they had a good experience uh, watching their content and that's what elevated these people. But after a while they go, huh, I still haven't learned anything or I'm still not doing this in a way that's elevating my own game. And then they start looking for legitimacy. And I think that's where we're at because we've had how many years of this already, you know? <laughs> many, many, many. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I, I got to tell you, with the day that we uh, just shut down Grime Life, I was like, my heart was breaking uh, mainly because we got to have a bunch of people who never got to talk about what they were doing in this as a freelancer uh we, we're not going to hear the stories anymore you know and it kind of it that it, aside from it being our poker night you know yeah i mean trust me it broke my heart too because i was like hearing what it was like on the streets in new york and i'm like it was a completely different you know world for me and just hearing people were going through the same stuff that everybody else is going through but hearing it through their lens i was bummed when you guys quit i was i was we really could, yeah. you know 100% bummed and now your entire studio is here in mine so. well, well, yeah i mean i, I uh you it lives all on the gear. yeah uh <laughs> what a shot i got to tell you we tried so hard to keep that podcast going and the fact that we even kept it going as long as we could with uh, both of us me and chris Pacioni, my the co-host uh grinding away at how many jobs i mean he was becoming an uber driver you know what i mean like there were so many things we were trying to do to keep ourselves together just to get this podcast to kind of float and i'll I'll say that i'm really proud of what we did out there and i hope that there's people that listen to this going i can create a podcast and it doesn't have to be serious i can just go and create content that people can connect with absolutely i mean that's the that's the genius of podcasting it it is it completely flattens the Flattens the world as far as getting people's stories out there. It doesn't have to be super produced. It should be, honestly, from my yeah, perspective. Yeah. But you're going to get more people that pay pay you more attention if it is well produced and you put the time in to work on your craft. But it is still nice to be able to hear other people's stories. And, you know, you hear nowadays all of this hype about this is, you know, podcasting is getting too big. All the corporate money is coming in. Here's the thing. After those people, you know, spend all their money and leave – and figure out that it's harder to make a buck than you thought. And there's like 12 big shows left. Joe Rogan is the king of the podcast yeah. world. There's still going to be hundreds of thousands of other people out there still making podcasts because you can still do it. It's not It's not going to be like blogging. You know, blogging, I, everybody puts those two in the same bucket. And I think it's completely different because this is such a more mm. personal medium to me, at least, because you get to connect with people when you're reading something. Yes, you're, you're you know, you're rebuilding the story in your own mind. But when you're listening to a podcast, you're getting to meet new people. These people are going to become your friends. You know, you feel like you're invested in their life. And that's where blogging fell short. And I think that's where podcasting is going to live on for a very long time. Yeah, but what do you feel about, okay, so, you know, you're a kid in a closet and you're pumping out your podcast, right? 
And then someone who's a celebrity decides the next day to take their audience right to podcasting. And now the people that were downloading that kid's podcast don't have enough time to get through all those episodes because they're listening to this already proven entity of a celebrity. What do you think about all that happening? I think that's going to shake out in a couple of years. I mean, that's you got to ride it out. There's going to there's this is hard right now because there's so many shows being put out into the world. I think there was like 11 million podcast episodes that what? came out last year. Just episodes came out last year. Worldwide? And yeah, it, it was 11 million or 11 billion. Might have been, I don't think it was billion. Jesus. But it's still it's a ridiculous amount of of, you know, time that gets thrown into this it's still a fraction of what is on youtube mm. you look at podcasting there's about 750 to 800,000 podcasts out there right now there are over 22 million youtube channels so you still have a better shot at getting an audience in podcasting because when that celebrity comes in they're going to do a season of like eight episodes they're not going to do it every day which is, you know, because they're I got I got to go make a movie. I got to make a TV show. They're going to do an eight episode run. They're still and what they're doing is bringing new people into listening to podcasts, teaching them how to do it. So when that person goes on hiatus, people are going to go back to, oh, man, I remember that kid. I want to go listen to him again. What's he been up to? And they'll binge listen to all the stuff that he's put out. You know, it, it comes in waves and cycles. Yeah, I, man, I just feel like there's a low barrier of entry for podcasting. And that's why I liked it so much. That's what's great about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel the same for like almost every craft. Like people think they have to go out and spend 10 tons of cash on, to, on a camera to be better than the guy next to them. But in reality, it's never about the, um, the quality of the gear. It's the properties and characteristics of that gear and what you use that application for. We were using plastic lenses on Lomo cameras. Remember that? Yep. And they looked cool because they were all swirly and junky. Now kids are spending tons of money on presets to do that, but that's another story. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like like we talked about the Pentax K1000. That was a great camera. I know so many professional photographers who started with that camera yeah, yeah. and moved on because it, it taught you your craft because you had to learn how to do it. It's like, you know, starting engine repair on a two-stroke engine for your lawnmower. You learn the basics, you learn how it works, and then you move up the chain. And when it comes to podcasting, we're talking right now, when we're done with this, you're going to sound like you're in a studio and you're on a $69 microphone. Uh, 59, but sure. Oh, that's right. It was 50, 59. <laughs> 59 with free shipping. I got it on sale that I day. I tell you, this, this mic is pretty nifty, man. Everybody I show it to is like, what? Oh, I'm like, yeah, it's dope, man. Just use it. We're so yeah. used to like smaller mics and stuff, but um, every, I think podcasts are the number one thing every host at Adorama gets asked for, actually, because I feel like podcast is the only medium you can do anything else in your life while ingesting. Yep, that's the great part about it. It it's, it fills the free time. It yeah. fills your free time. It keeps the the voices out of your head for a minute, right? You know. Well, that's I've I sleep with podcasts on all night long. I have a playlist that I just hit play on, and so if I wake up in the middle of the night, there's somebody else talking, so my brain doesn't. That's what I, I, I every night. I love it. I mean, every 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 night it keeps saying, "Kill your neighbors." I'm like, "All right, calm down." Then <laughs> I put a podcast on, and I'm all right again. But you know, uh, just make awesome. sure you don't listen to that very famous "Kill Your Neighbor" podcast. That would no. be bad. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, you know, by the way, speaking of Pentax, they're kind of in trouble, huh? Have you heard from them in, in any which shape or form? I have not heard about Pentax in twenty years. The this, only time I hear about Pentax is when I go on eBay and try and find a decent working K one thousand for my shelf. Oh, believe I could probably get you one actually. All right, uh, hook hook a brother up. But the Pentax's big announcement, big announcement was uh, they're working on a flagship APS-C size sensor camera. That's about it. Okay. There's people that really love Pentax, but they're the same company as Rico. And as you know, Rico made the Theta. 
Right. Uh, yeah, I've still got my Theta. I never remember to use Last time I used my Theta was at uh, the Fireside Conference in last year, in 2018. I took about 12 shots with it of our cabin and the stuff that was going on. It has been sitting on my shelf ever since. Yeah, I carried it in my pocket for a year and a half straight, and I used it all the time and never got the photos off of it because I was so lazy to pull out my phone to get it. It's such but a pain to get the photos it's a off. Pain, but that's, they made a new one now. It's supposed to be faster to get the images off, but it's still a pain. We just yeah. got this camera that came out called GoPro Max. Oh, I saw those. How is it? It's dope. I got to tell you, man, it has a screen on it. So you can actually see what you're kind of doing and you know what oh, you're doing. Oh, nice. Our guys filmed with that thing and edited the video on their phone in under seven minutes, had a usable video that looked great. And I was like, this is really scary that this is where it's gotten to. Okay, Theta's dead then. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I loved I loved the Theta, but I and Theta they just put one in space. They just made a special one for a space show. Oh wow! And they put it up in space. I talked about it on uh, my show Rewind a few weeks back. It's it, it's still a staple. Rico has definitely started and made the most advancement in the 360 imaging space, but doesn't have traction when GoPro goes. Hey, here's something cool, kids. You can throw it against a rock and it'll survive. Yeah, and you know what the difference between the Theta and the GoPro is? What's that? Removable media. Yeah, you, yes, you have to yes. you, you have to plug in the Theta or use like Bluetooth to get the files over. It takes forever. I want to pop a card, stick it in my computer, download the files, and drag it into Lightroom. Done. Yeah. No idea. No idea why Rico is doing this onboard memory stuff. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. It's terrible. I think, oh, you know what? I did use it uh, one time and I got a really good shot when I was at Riot Fest. And I, so there's like one shot out of the three, four years, because I got the original uh, Theta. Oh, you, yeah. ha you had the second gen. You had the one after mine. It was like me. waterproof. Yeah, yeah. It's like all sorts of crazy stuff on it. But uh, I took it to Riot Fest. I took a cool crowd shot. And that was the only one that I ever even published because it was like, ah, everything else is just kind of, I, I, I honestly had it because I wanted to document my vacations and like places so I could go back and see where I was. Mm. I thought it was a cool use for that. And it just never really, it's not, it's not something that you can just pull out like your phone and just take a couple of pictures. Yeah. The, I think the issue with the theta not taking off was two parts. One, there was no real interface for 360 aside from Facebook. And even if it was on Facebook, no one ever stayed there like scrolling around a 360 space for it. And right. then the other thing was everyone made these like tiny planet style photos for Instagram, but that mm -hmm. just made everybody's head big and you didn't really get to see the scenery around them. So every photo looked the same like a fisheye lens. So then what do you got here? Right? Yeah. Yeah, really. So that's too bad. So no Pentax, no Rico. Yeah, and the next one going down is Olympus, it looks like. They're still around, too. Wow. 100 years they've been around, and last week the CEO was like, no, 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 we're fine, we're fine. And then like about two days ago, they go, actually, we might be selling <laughs> off the camera division. It's like, you think? Because they wouldn't get off of the Micro Four Thirds size sensor. So what, like, what's your take on this Micro Four Thirds uh, versus traditional? I'm not into it. Micro Four Thirds is a really small sensor, therefore... It is going to be noisy because it, it's not good in low light. You're going to be pumping ISOs. Like there's just – it doesn't handle uh, receiving light as good as a bigger net, like a bigger sensor. The thing that they stuck to was that because Micro Four Thirds is smaller, it's less information. If it's less information, the camera can process it easier. Therefore, faster frame rates, easier stability, all sorts of things like that, and the camera should be smaller. But now we're seeing full-frame cameras the size of Micro Four Third cameras. So why would I even go in that space? 
Yeah. I mean, I've got two Micro Four Thirds. I've got the Sony Alpha 6300 that I mentioned, right. and now I've got the G7. So, I mean, my only full-frame digital camera is the D810, which takes unbelievably beautiful stills. And that's an but, old camera, too. It, this, it, that's crazy that that's an old camera. I feel like I just paid it off. <laughs> it was <Yeah>. like 2700 <laughs> bucks. I think I was shooting a D810 back in like 2010, I think. Was it that long? I mean, you were you were using them when we met. I was using an 800, an 810. I I blew through two 810s. I have an 850 now. The 850 is by far the my most favorite DSLR I've ever had in my life. I remember when you got that and I was so jealous. I'm like, should I, should I, should I? And I'm like, no, the DA 10 is going to last me the rest of my life. I don't need to. Well, what's cool about it is Nikon made sure that if you're in that series, all the batteries come with you to the next one. So I have like 16 batteries for this camera from the D810, D800 all the way to the D850, you know? So that's nice. Yeah. They were smart with that. Uh, but the, the micro four thirds thing, you're using it for video, which is different than stills. Yeah. Yeah. I would never shoot stills with this thing unless I'm just doing vacation shots. You know, it's, yeah. it's nice for street stuff. If I'm, you know, I'll take the alpha with me when I'm like walking around a town, take some street stuff, but mm. it's still, it's slow. It's just so damn slow. All of these things are slow. You know, I can pop out my, my Nikon and get a shot in like, you know, a third of a second. Cause mm-hmm. I just know that it's. You know, it's it's muscle memory. It's ingrained in me. I can make make a shot like lightning fast. I'm not waiting for the thing to boot. <laughs> that's the well, worst that's part, the waiting for it to boot. I think that's what people don't get when they're looking for their camera is they see all these like specs and they buy the spec sheet. But then they don't realize that some of these cameras are just computers with lenses. And then some camera companies design it to be a camera. And you hear like, oh, there's Sony sensors inside Nikon. So it's the, it's like, no, they actually engineered it to be more for photographers intuition and for image processing to be the way photographers want to see their images with dynamic range and such. And people don't get that part of it. They can't just look at what they crammed into a camera. What's the point if I can't find the menu function that does eye animal autofocus or whatever, you know? Yeah. You, you know, it doesn't mean <laughs> yeah. anything. And half the time when you make a camera do everything automatically, like hunt for eyeballs to make them in focus. Well, what happens when I do want to do some weird composition where I'm focusing on the hands or something? I have to shut that off. That takes an extra two seconds. And now I missed the shot. Exactly. That's the whole point. It's just like I used to do exercises and this would be fun for anybody who's do listening. exercises. No, I, I did photo exercises. Oh, okay. I also used to do regular <laughs> exercises too. Uh, I would walk around the town because this is when I was shooting. I had a N90 back oh, in the wow. day and I would, oh. I'd, I would walk through Hollywood and I would take two, three rolls of film with me. And the whole exercise was shoot as much as you can, but don't stop walking. Mm. So that was the whole thing. It's just like, okay, you, cause that way you're scanning the scenery, you're looking ahead. And sometimes you look behind you. You got, that's the one thing kids don't do any days. They don't turn around these kids today. You got to turn around sometimes because sometimes the best shot is behind you and you never see it. But uh, yeah, I was just doing those exercises and it was a ton of fun. And I think kids nowadays, these kids nowadays could, uh, should try that sometime. Anybody listen, go, go out, go for a walk. You're always going for walks, go for a walk in a new place. Don't stop walking and keep shooting. I think that's just so much fun. And do yourself a favor and take it off of motor drive, do single shot, and don't spray and pray. Really make a thought before you make an image. Yeah. Say, I've got 32 (laughs) shots for this walk. That's it. I can shoot 32 pictures for this walk, and I'm done. Yeah. it's uh, They they love selling people high frame rates. Like, this thing does 20 frames per second. Cool. Now I have 19 images I don't need. Yeah, you're not shooting F1 racing. 
<laughs> that's what you need that for. You need it for for NFL football, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think people just get caught up in the gear buying. And then when they go see other people, it's like a topic of conversation of like, well, my camera does this. Well, mine does that. And it's like, cool. Do you, either of you use it? I would like to see you actually create something with as opposed to just being sold something, you know? Yeah. Gear acquisition syndrome and some other terms that we won't use on this show. Yeah. That's what they, uh, that's what they called the uh, guy who robbed my studio had a horrible gear acquisition syndrome. Tell me about that. I I, I saw the whole story and I was just like flabbergasted about how you, how, how you basically all your shit got stolen. Yeah. uh, I mean, we have a professional studio. It's not, uh, it's not open to the public to rent by the hour. So we, bring on kind of like roommates, you know, and we had an open position and I met this guy who said he was shot for CNN and also said that he was Anthony Bourdain's personal photographer when he was just like the set photographer for that show. And it's Anthony Bourdain Bourdain's show. So he had a lot of shots of him. So anyway, uh, he did a talk at Adorama and he had a whole uh, audience full of like photo editors and, you know, real industry people. And he said he was interested. I said, how could, what could go wrong here? Right. So I put him in touch with the senior photographer at the studio and he signed in. He was having, he wasn't making the rent. He would, they were chased in for the rent middle of the month. It got to a point where they asked him for the rent um, a few months in. And he said, Oh, I'm leaving the studio anyway. So I'm not paying the rent. He's like, what? And then he said, Hey, uh, I'll, I'm going to leave my gear there till like next month. So he's like, so that's two months. So they, they want to keep his security deposit. Had nothing to do with me. Had nothing to do with anybody that was in the studio working. The guy gave back a false key, and then a month later, after he got his gear out of there, showed up at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, 20 minutes after I left the studio, mind you, and walked in there, grabbed a bunch of gear, and tried to walk out the stairs like he was smart with his hood up. Meanwhile, he was wearing the same outfit he wears in all of his social media. He was wearing, <laughs> he, uh, he, I mean, there's a cartoon avatar of him, and it was basically the same outfit he was wearing on the security footage. Uh, it was a oh he was the worst. He was the stupidest thing ever. And as soon as we got the security footage and gave it to detectives, they picked him up. He didn't even think about it. He just said, "Oh yeah, I have the gear, and I'll give it back." And they want to drop the charges below a felony to give the gear back. We go to get the gear back, and they want to put us in the same room. He lays it all out, and the they come back in the room. The DA and goes, "Yeah, he said he forgot all the battery chargers and the AC cables and everything." So I'm like, "I got to come back again." It showed you how much he wasn't taking this seriously. This is this guy was like yeah. an Andy Kaufman kind of guy, where the joke is in his head and it's just funny to him. But uh, yeah, so it's been going on and on. It's still not finalized. I, I was kind of cautious about talking about it, but since they're not going to do anything to him legally, they're just going to give him like a mark on his record. Public shaming want- wins. Yeah. <laughs> So, and then it turned out, I don't know if you read all the comments on all the blog posts. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently he's been stealing from the industry for quite a while. A lot of he's people a are- He's a serial thief. Yep. Yeah. Apparently people are claiming that he uh, broke into their homes. He robbed photo agencies. These are all claims. I can't say that they're real, but it's a lot <laughs> Allegedly. of people. Yeah, Allegedly. <laughs> legally, I'm not saying that he did it, but uh, they're claiming they're claiming $43,000 of stuff he's stolen over the years. Jesus. I have ex-girlfriends uh, emailing me and trying to call me to tell me their story about what's going on with him. Like I could somehow like ju- you know get them justification of whatever. I'm, I'm just trying to let people know that this guy was a creep scumbag. And in my opinion, because, you know, legally, I, knowing this guy, he'll probably try to sue me for defamation. Um, it, it's it, You want to hear even crazier it gets? We had to get an order of protection against him as like a standard thing. He's claiming 
He should be allowed inside of where I work because where I work, you can get paid to be a speaker there as a professional. And it's a source of income for him. And I'm like, he stole 15 grand of gear from my studio. I'm and, and, yeah. It, well, and the people where you work, like they're going to hire him. I know. Come on. Know. That's ridiculous. But this is the mentality we're dealing with. So it's been very, very frustrating. And me, as soon as I figured out that stuff was missing, I wanted to go to his house and rip, uh, rip him apart. But, you know, we tried to do it the correct way. And this is what we got a mark on his record and most of our gear back. Boo. Yeah. Boo, 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 boo. Yay, NYPD. Yeah. So <laughs> there's that. Um, I'm not even sure how much of this I'm supposed to be talking about or whatever, but. I, well, this is, what you've said so far has been all over Instagram. So I'm, we're good. We're not going to name his name. So, because yeah, yeah. I don't want to get sued because, you know, yeah, yeah, so. you, you can't get blood from a tomato, but you can really fuck up the tomato in the process. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, um, I will say that the positive side to this was the industry itself was super supportive. They all, everyone that could lend us gear to get us through the jobs we booked, lent us gear, people that could help us uh, get justify uh, justification of all the stuff really came through. Everyone that we've taught how to shoot have spoken up to like blackball this guy and like really uh, speak up for us. So it really felt like the community really exists. And I was really proud of that, you know, but I don't know if that's such a silver lining to justify this guy existing. No, but you know what? People tend to be awesome when given the chance. This guy, yeah. not so much, but, you know, the community, artists, your friends, they, they stood up and helped you out. So that's yeah, a good man. thing. Yeah. And, and the world's a tighter community thing. You and me, we've never even physically met. You're across the country and uh, we're still talking to this day. When I mean, Grime Life was what? How many years ago now? Oh, a long time. Long yeah. time. So yeah. <laughs> you were one of the first, you know, podcasts that reached out to us and said, hey, you know, we love you guys. And we're like, what? And then we listened to the show and we're like, shit, these guys are good. So uh, it was so wild. We we're like, oh, they actually wrote back to us. <laughs> it was so strange because uh, Chris was like, you got to hear these guys. They're, they're talking like how we talk, except they're older. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. How old are you? I'm not talking about this. <laughs> Stick to the facts, sir. I was looking for the facts. <laughs> yeah, actually, damn that's a kids. search on Google. Like, people are trying to search how old I am ever since I started hosting at Adorama. I'm looking at Google searches for my name and it says like, Seth Miranda, how old? <laughs> Jesus. You'll never know, you little nah. bastards. No, oh, leave me alone. I can feel old, but just don't justify that I'm actually old. Yeah, you're old at heart. You're old at heart. You're grumpy and old at heart. That's why we had you on the show. So thanks, nah. man. Thanks for coming by. This has been fantastic. This was a lot of useless jammering. I don't know what to, what of this is usable. But. Welcome to the podcast, man. This is this is how we do it. So. Oh, really? Is it? Okay. Well. well, Seth, this has been fucking awesome. I'm glad to introduce you to the Grumpy Old Geeks audience because you're going to be coming back and doing segments on the show about your expertise and all of the fun stuff that you know as one of the main guys at Adorama you do was Adorama Rewind plus like 17 other demos a week yeah. and all this other stuff. Tell, what, what all do you do over there? So basically I'm a pro signed to Adorama. That means that if there's a new camera coming down the line that they think I'd be great to showcase, I get to go play with it, make a video for Adorama TV where we have about a million subscribers going. We try to educate people to use the gear they already have to elevate themselves. We're all about enabling content creators to just get crazier. I shoot live uh, on their Facebook page. I shoot live on their IGTV. So everything Adorama, you can find me uh, and you can find me personally at last X witness on my own social media. And of course, Adorama XP on Twitch. If you're a gamer and want to come hang out on Sundays, 12 to 3 Eastern time, we just hang out and play games. 
Cool, man. Well, this has been a ton of fun, and I look forward to having you back on the show. I look forward to having me. You totally just pre-committed me, so I guess I'm doing it. <laughs> You're it's doing like- it, motherfucker. That's it. <laughs> All right, man. Peace out. Peace.